Turn with me to the Gospel of John, chapter 9, as we continue our study in the Gospel of John. There's Bibles under the pews if you would like to, to grab them, and you'll want to, so you can follow along. Two weeks ago, we looked at the first three verses of, of chapter 9, and looking at the question that, that came up from the disciples, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? As they're looking at this, this man that was blind from birth, who sinned? This man or his or his parents? And from there we went and, and, and studied that Jesus says, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. It's an incredible section of scripture there, looking at why it is that this person was born with this disability. It wasn't that he sinned, it wasn't that his parents sinned, but it was for the purpose of God being glorified through him. Last week, Pastor Derek Hull preached, and um, if you weren't here, it's, it's online, you can listen to it. Two weeks ago, as an elder board, Pastor Derek was already ordained from the church before he left to start Reverence Bible Church in Colorado Springs, but we officially brought him onto the elder board as of now, so if you missed last week, he's officially one of our elders. So we just had him preach, and he preached on the wisdom of God, and the wisdom of God being such that it's not always our plans, it's not always the way that we would want everything to, to go, and, and yet God has orchestrated things according to his providence, according to his, his invisible hand that moves things to be where God brought Derek and his family here, and it's an incredible blessing to us as a church. So you, you'll want to listen to that sermon if it's at all possible. But now we're going to continue on in our study as, as we look at what took place here in John chapter 9. I want to read it in its entirety again so we understand the, the, the story of what's taking place. And then we'll be looking at three questions primarily this morning. Um, what do we know about this blind man? What do we know about the Pharisees and the religious leaders? And what do we know about how God worked this for his glory? And so we'll look at those three things this morning. Let's look at verse 1 of John chapter 9. Now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And when he had said these things, he spat on the ground and made clay with the saliva. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And he said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. And so he went and he washed and came back seen. Therefore the neighbors and those who previously had seen that he was blind said, is not this he who sat and begged? And some said, this is he. And others said, he is like him. He said, I am he. And therefore he said, they said to him, How were your eyes opened? And he answered and said, A man called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said to me, Go to the pool of Siloam and wash. And so I went and washed and I received my sight. And then they said to him, Where is he? And he said, 
I do not know. They brought him who, was form, who formerly was blind to the Pharisees. And now it was the Sabbath when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. And the Pharisees also asked him again how he had received his sight. And he said to them, He put clay on my eyes, and I washed, and I see. Therefore some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, because he does not keep the Sabbath. Others said, How can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was a division among them. They said to the blind man again, What do you say about him, because he opened your eyes? And he said, He's a prophet. But the Jews did not believe concerning him that he had been blind and received his sight, until they called the parents of him who had received his sight. And they asked them, saying, Is this your son, who you say was born blind? How then does he, see, does he now see? And his parents answered them and said, We know that this is our son, and that he was born blind. But by what means he now sees, we do not know. Or who opened his eyes, we do not know. He is of age, ask him. He will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had agreed already that if anyone confessed that he was Christ, he'd be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, he is of age, ask him. So they again called the man who was blind and said to him, give God the glory. We know that this man is a sinner. And he answered and said, whether he is a sinner or not, I do not know. One thing I know, that though I was blind, now I see. And then they said to him again, why Or what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? And he answered them, I already told you and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? And then they reviled him and said, You are his disciple, but we are Moses' disciple. We know that God spoke to Moses. As for this fellow, we do not know where he is from. The man answered and said to them, Why, this is a marvelous thing. You do not know where he's from, yet he opened my eyes. Now we know that God does not hear sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, he hears them. Since the world began, it has been unheard of that anyone opened the eyes of one who was born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. And they answered and said to him, You were completely born in sins, and are you teaching us? And they cast him out. Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and when he had found him, he said to him, Do you believe in the Son of God? And he answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? And Jesus said to him, You have both seen him, and it is he who is talking with you. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. And Jesus said, For judgment I have come into this world, that those who do not see may see. And those who see may be made blind. Then some of the Pharisees who were with him heard these words and said to him, Are we blind also? And Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no sin. But now you say, We see, therefore your sin remains. First question that we'll look at this morning is, What do we know about this blind man? What do we know about him? The story tells us that the man was born blind. So... From birth, unable to see. Um, it's a common thing that took place as a result of, uh, of even sexually transmitted diseases at, the, at that particular time. People would be born blind. The number one cause of, of, of blindness in that day and, and even into 
recent um, decades was from, from that cause. But he's born blind. Everybody, as they looked at him, um, realizing that whatever point it was that this child had no eyesight, thought, who sinned? Was it the boy? Was it the boy while he was even in his mother's womb that he sinned? Or was it his parents? Is it the result of his parents' sin that someone's born blind? Um, to, to be blind today would be something that would be incredibly difficult. I mean, if you can imagine just living in, in, in this day and not being able to see, um, be incredibly difficult. But in, at the time that this was written, there's no such thing as Braille. There's no such thing as handicap access. There's no such thing as signals or the ability to have it say something as well as, 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 as you know, be able to see the, the, the hand signal, the walk signal, or the stop signal. In, in my times in Sudan, I don't think there's ever been a time where I've gone to South Sudan where I didn't see... Uh, older gentleman or an older woman that was blind and there'd be a little boy or a little girl walking with them with a stick and the stick would be maybe four or five feet long and the child would hold the stick and the blind parent or, or grandparent would be holding the other end of the stick and that's how that that child would get around or that that person would get around is whatever child was there would just hold the other end of the stick and they would just follow wherever they were going and I kind of picture that to be something that may have been the case here um Somebody would have to lead the, 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 this man to wherever he was going to go. Somebody would have to tell him to, to watch a step. Or how many times did they not tell him? And he trips and he falls. And just the difficulty of being blind at this time. Not only that, but being blind from birth, you, you, you have no memory of what it would look like versus someone who loses their eyesight later in life. To be in a place of, of hearing the kids play and not being able to participate. To, to being in a place of, of having your friends and your family members go to school, but you don't go. Or if you're at school, you're unable to participate very much in what's taking place. And, and going to bed at night as that little child, just thinking, why? Why am I different? Like, why am I different than everybody else? There's no doubt that this boy thought that. Any one of us would. Why was I born blind? Everybody says it was either my sin or my parents' sin. But why, God? I don't know that I sinned if I was in my mother's womb. And is this, is this my parents' fault? Do I blame my parents? And being in a place of just anguish of why? Why? Why is my life like this? And so he would have gone through his life in this particular state. We know from the... The account here that he was someone who begged. They're looking at him. Isn't this the one that we saw begging? He's the one that begs for food. He's the one that begs for, for money. He's the one that is there at the temple. And he sits there and he begs. And so we know about him is he's not taken care of well. Either he was upset with his parents because of the circumstances or they were upset with him or his parents didn't have much and so they sent him to, to go beg. Whatever the circumstances are, is he's a beggar. He's there who was someone who would sit at the temple because that's some place where people are coming to worship and 
maybe they're more generous when they come into a place like the temple to worship. And so he's there and, and he's just begging, eyes closed or whatever it is, unable to see and just begging for money. He can hear coins drop in and maybe says something to the people, but calling out and just asking for help. And for us looking at this account, it would be just an incredibly miserable state of life to live in, right? You're just thinking about this man there at the temple and, and unable ever to see, and he's there begging. It's interesting because the disciples are asking, who sinned, this man or his parents? And Jesus responds to their question, but he goes from there to not just the disciples in their minds, it's what happened to him. And Jesus goes from there to, what can we do for him? You hear Jesus' response in verse 4 where he says, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can do his work, or no, no one can work. As long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. And then it tells us that after he said these things, he spit on the ground. He spat on the ground and made clay from his saliva. So Jesus is saying, in essence, what, what should we do for him? The disciples are just looking at the problem like, who sinned? And Jesus' response is, what should we do for him? I'm the light of the world. What should we do for him? And so he spits on the ground, makes clay with the saliva, and he anoints the eyes of the blind man with the clay. Incredible as you think of what's taking place here. The, the blind man wasn't there saying, where's this man called Jesus? He just was going to do what he always does, is just going to beg for the day being led there by somebody or stumbling his own way there. He's going and he's just going to go about his life of of begging. He had no idea what was going to happen on that day. Meeting Jesus. Jesus sees him. Jesus goes, finds him, spits on the ground, makes clay from his saliva and the dirt, and sticks it in the man's eyes. You may think, why? Why that? There's a number of different theories, but the bottom line is, I don't know. I have no idea. I mean, I look, there's, there's different hypotheses as far as, like, why did this happen? And none of them were like, well, that's really convincing. Bottom line is, he spits on the ground, and he makes mud, and he sticks it in the guy's eyes. And tells the man to go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated scent. And so he goes and he washes. It's interesting because you, you picture this taking place. Jesus comes and just takes him, spits on the ground. And, and the guy goes and he washes. It doesn't tell us anything else. It's just in faith he goes and washes. It doesn't tell us that his response is, what are you doing? Why are you putting spit mud in my eyes? You know, like he doesn't respond, of course I'm going to go wash. I got mud in my eyes, you know. He just hears what Jesus says and says, Okay, and he goes, and, and I don't know if there were friends leading him or if he's just stumbling his way saying, where is the pool of Siloam? Where is it? Can someone lead me there? Can someone show me where it is? But somehow or another, he gets there. And I, I could picture it, at least in my mind's eye, as far as him getting there, and there's this pool of water. He's always been blind. He goes down to the ground and takes the water and just starts washing his eyes out. 
And all of a sudden, there's a little bit of light. And there's a little bit more light. And there's a little bit more light. And as he washes all the mud out, he stands up and he can see everything. You see, when, when God heals, it's not like what you find sometimes on these TV shows where there's faith healers and they're kind of like a little bit healed. When God heals, he heals. Took this man whose eyes were blind from birth and he makes them whole. Gives them new eyes. He makes it so he can see crystal clear. Sees everything. And, and, and you could have just imagined the joy that's in this man's heart. I mean, can you, from birth, blind, able to see everything. Before he had felt the leaves of a tree, now he's looking at them. He had maybe wondered, what do we look like? What do people look like? He maybe felt his, his mom's face or touched his little brother's hand. He maybe did those things to have some idea of it must be kind of like this. But now he just sees everything. Incredible joy for that man. So he comes back seen. Text tells us. He comes back able to see. Well, from there, we hear that he says some other things in our text. One of the things that he says is that we know that nobody has ever been healed who was born blind. So in, in his mind, as he's talking with these guys and telling them, he's saying, you know, and I know, nobody has ever been healed who was born blind. How, how, would, a, how would he know something like that? I guarantee you he looked into it. I guarantee you that he talked to his mom and dad. Has anybody ever been made able to see? And them saying, No. All the miracles, you tell us all the miracles of what God has done, of, of you know, separating the, the waters as he divides the Red Sea. All of what God has done in the Old Testament. Has there ever been anybody that's ever been recorded of that was born blind, that was made able to see? And across the board, everyone says, no. And they're right. Nobody who was born blind had ever been made able to see. He maybe talked to different people, different people who were considered doctors or others and saying, is there anything that I could do? And them across the board saying, no, nobody who was born blind has ever been made able to see. And so this, this man was in a plane, at a place of just, I have no hope. There's no way that I ever could be made able to see. In fact, he's not even amongst those that are trying to find Jesus as far as take me to Jesus. Can, is there a friend that can lower me down? Is there someone that can help me? Is there someone that, that can make it so I can just touch the hem of his garment? Is there anybody that could get me near him? No, he's at a place that nobody has ever been made able to see who was born blind. And so we see that he starts to have a little bit more and a little bit more knowledge of who this is. They're asking him questions, and he's saying, I don't know, I, I think he's a, he's a prophet. He at least has to be a prophet. He at least has to be someone who was sent from God. He doesn't have the details as far as that Jesus is the Son of God and that he came to earth and he was going to die on the cross for their sins, that he is the Christ, that he is the Messiah. He doesn't know that at this particular point. But what we do know is that he knows this is, he's more than a man. He has to at least be a prophet. And so this is what we know about him. We also know that 
with the little information that he knows about Jesus, he has incredible boldness in his witness, doesn't he? Well, let's talk about the Pharisees for a moment. What do we know about the Pharisees and the religious leaders? Well, these men, a short time ago, were picking up stones to throw to kill Jesus. They, they hated him. Um, Jesus, in just the last chapter, left the area because they were picking up stones to throw at him. And now they're angry again because Jesus healed the blind man on the Sabbath. It was on the Sabbath that he healed the blind man. And so, to make mud on the Sabbath um, and to put it into a person's eyes would have been a violation of the Sabbath rules that the Jews had set up at that particular time. And so, you were allowed to, to help somebody if they were going to die. But you weren't allowed to do anything to help somebody just as far as healing or to, to help them in any other way on the Sabbath. It was only if someone's life was in danger. And so, they're looking at what t- took place and they see this man that had been born blind and their first thought is, this happened on the Sabbath? He did this on the Sabbath? What did he do? He he spit on the ground on the Sabbath and he made mud and he put it in his eyes on the Sabbath. He can't do this on the Sabbath. You, you look at the account and, and what we'll find in this particular chapter is a little bit of a doctrine of unbelief. A doctrine of, of these particular people and their hardness of hearts. All of us know people who are unbelievers. There's times where you look at people who are unbelievers and you think, why don't you believe why don't you see these things? You, you've heard all of it, and yet your heart is so hard. How is it that you don't believe? And we're going to look at that this morning as we look at these people, and you see a little bit of their heart of unbelief, and, and it'll help us to understand others as well. But here, this man's been healed, and they're not saying, this is amazing, you're able to see you're the guy that was born blind. You're able to see. This is amazing. Let's, what do we do? Who did this? We want to find him. Not at all. They're just, this happened on the Sabbath? And they're angry. Well, let's look at, at verse 13. They brought him who formerly was blind to the Pharisees. And now it was the Sabbath when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. And the Pharisees asked him again how he had received his sight. And he said to them, he put clay on my eyes and I washed and I see. Therefore, some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God because he does not keep the Sabbath. Others said, how can a man who is a sinner do such things? And there was a division among them. So they say to the blind man again, What do you say about him because he opened your eyes? And he said, he is a prophet. So they're asking questions. Bring him to me. Let's talk to him. And they ask him, how did you receive your sight? We want the details. And he just goes forward. He put clay on my eyes. And I washed. And I see. The reaction is, he can't be from God, though. He can't be from God. He doesn't obey our rules. We set up this whole system of all the things that you were allowed to do and those things that you weren't allowed to do. 
We have this whole system of how we can make ourselves righteous and you can only lift this much weight on the Sabbath and you can only walk this far on the Sabbath and you can't do this and you can't do that and here's all the rules on the Sabbath of what you're able to do. And clearly you're not able to spit on the ground, make mud and put it in someone's eyes. That goes against all of our rules. So how can this person be someone who is from God when he breaks our rules? And yet nowhere in scripture does it say Thus saith the Lord on the Sabbath day, do not spit on the ground and make saliva and put it, or make mud and, and, and put it in someone's eyes. Yet, they're in a place of their own religion of this is the way that we want to earn our way to God. And we will not listen to anything else as far as that would break the system that we have set up. There are people who are so deep in their religion that It doesn't matter how clear scripture is to them. They're in a place of, I don't want to hear it. This goes against my rules. It goes against what I've been taught. It goes against my efforts to earn favor with God. And I'm going to do whatever it takes to earn that. And I don't want to hear anything outside of that. I don't want to hear anything with reference to grace. And yet, this is what's taking place here. They're saying, he can't be from God. He doesn't keep the Sabbath. But others are saying, but how does he, how does a sinner do these kind of things? Explain that. How does a sinner do things like this? And there may be those that will be listening in here in the sanctuary or listening to the sermon at another time where in your mind is, I don't believe in Jesus. I don't believe that he is God. And yet the questions that would come up is, then how does he do those things? How does he make water turned to wine? And how does he feed the 5,000? How does he heal all the people that he healed? How does he cause people to rise from the dead? How does he predict everything that he predicted? How does he go to the cross and conquer sin and death and say that he's going to rise again on the third day and then rise again on the third day and appear before his disciples and appear before 5,000? How does he do these things? How does this man who you say is a liar that didn't do any of these things, how did he radically change the entire world? How is our calendar system set up based on Christ? How is it there's Christians all over this world that are people all over this world who are believers in Christ? How is it the gospel spread like that, just like he said? And yet in their mind is, how does this happen? So there's a division among them. In verse 18, it tells us, that even with all this information, they still didn't believe. The Jews did not believe concerning him, that he had been blind and received his sight, until they called the parents of him who had received his sight. And they asked them, saying, Is this your son, who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? And his parents answered them and said, We know that this is our son, and we know that he was born blind. But by what means he now sees, we do not know. Or who opened his eyes, we do not know. He is of age, ask him. He will speak for himself. And then it tells us his parents said these things because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had agreed already that if anyone confessed that he was Christ, he'd be put out of the synagogue. Therefore his parents said, he is of age, ask him. So the Pharisees are saying, we don't believe you. Let's get his parents. Parents come. Is this your son? Was he born blind? Their response is yes. 
It is our son, for sure. He was born blind. How he sees, we don't know. What, who healed him, we don't know. And you look at that portion of it, and you look at the lives of even the parents. If you, if you look at, I, I think here, even hardness of hearts in them. They're afraid. They're saying, we don't want to be cast out of the synagogue. See, the son who was born blind had been cast out of the synagogue already. Why? Because of his blindness. Because of the sin that must have been there that made it so he was born blind. He was already cast out of the synagogue. So they're looking and saying, I know what the life was like for my son, being cast out of the synagogue, being cast out of all of of life here as a Jew. We don't want that. And so they're saying, yes, this is our son. Yes, he was born blind. But we don't want to say anything else because we're afraid of you guys. I would like to think that if it was my son, that it'd be, how'd this happen? Who did this? I want to meet him. I want to follow him. I'll do whatever. I mean, you, I know I've watched you. I've wept over you. I know that you were born blind. I know that you're able to see. And just, what do we do? How can we follow you? And yet, the hardness of heart, even in the parents, is we know this is our son. We know he was born blind, but we're not going to say anything else. Talk to him. We don't want you to cast us out of the synagogue. The idea of being a part of that was so hard to them. It's just, we're not saying anything more. I know that there's people in our sanctuary right now who it costs you family. Um, Probably everybody here, it costs you friends to be a believer. It costs you saying, I follow Christ. And as a result, parents, siblings, friends have shunned you. You're not nearly as close to them as you used to be, or they want nothing to do with you at all. Maybe it's the religious institution that you were a part of before where they said horrible things about you, excommunicated you, everything else, because you follow Christ now. These parents at this point aren't willing to do that. As we look on in our passage here in verse 24, they called him again, the man who was blind, and they said to him, give God the glory. We know that this man, Jesus, is a sinner. So now they're, they're recognizing, okay, you are the person that was born blind. You have been made able to see. So give God the glory. But Jesus, he's a sinner. Don't attribute this to Jesus. Because this whole time, they're saying to everybody, if anybody follows Christ, if anybody follows Jesus, if anybody calls him the Christ, you're cast out of the synagogue forever. And now everybody's looking saying, okay, but you guys say this. But he just made this person who was blind from birth able to see. And so the religious leaders are saying, just don't think about the fact that Jesus did this. Give God the glory. He's a sinner. The man's response, as we look on in our text, is he answers and says, whether he is a sinner or not, I do not know. But one thing I know, that though I was blind, now I see. Whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. But there's one thing that I do know, and that is, I was blind, but now I see. This is important for us this morning because I know there's times for us where we're afraid to witness to people. 
We're afraid to proclaim the gospel. We're afraid because what if they ask us a question that we don't know? What if they ask us something we're like, oh, you got me. I knew I should have had someone else do this. <laughs> this man just says what he knows. There's only one thing I know. I was blind, but now I see. You may be in a place of, I don't know the answer to all your questions, but one thing I know, God has radically changed my life. It could be as simple as, this is what he has done. I had this weight on me, and I am forgiven of my sins. We're going to start um, having classes in evangelism starting on July 17th. Um, and it'll be the first and third Friday following that. Pastor Tristan Grath and Oscar Navarro and Sir Rodiver are going to teach that class. And it's going to be awesome. Like if you're in a place of, I get nervous about sharing my faith, and so I don't do it, please come. If you want to sharpen yourself as far as how to share your faith, please come. We're going to start on July 17th, and it'll be first and third Friday after that, learning how to share our faith with others. Um, a great place to do that. See, because there may be some questions that you don't know, but there may be ways that you're able to find answers to some of those questions, to be able to, to witness, to be able to understand the doctrine of unbelief, and to be able to understand the evidence that is there for the gospel. With this man, I don't know. I know one thing. Though I was blind, now I see. Well, they said to him again, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? And he answered them, I told you already you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? Now, I, I think sarcasm, right? A little bit. And I, I like it in the sense of, well, if you know me, I like sarcasm anyhow. But like, if you look at this, there's sarcasm there. He's been blind from birth. He's been cast out of the synagogue from birth. He's not allowed to do anything. Here's these guys. They wear all the nicest stuff, and he's begging there on the corner. And, and they're the ones that are telling people he's doing this because he sinned in his mother's womb or his parents sinned or whatever else. And he's sitting there like, you guys don't listen to me. I already told you. You don't listen. Do you guys want to follow him too? Is that what you're asking? Do you want to follow him too? Do you want to become his disciples? And they reviled him. They said, you are his disciple, but we are Moses' disciple. We, disciples, we know that God spoke to Moses. As for this fellow, we do not know where he is from. We follow Moses. This fellow, Jesus, we don't know where he's from. We know that that's not true. We know that they do know where he was from. But as far as attributing him to be the Christ, they want nothing to do with it. They have their religion. They have their system. And right in front of their face is the Christ, the Messiah. Everything the Old Testament was pointing to as far as Christ to come. And yet, they're at a place of, we don't know where he's from. And the man answers and says to them, why? This is a marvelous thing. You do not know where he's from, yet he opened my eyes. You, you have no idea where this guy's from, but he made it so that I am now able to see. We know that God does not hear sinners. But if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, he hears him. Since the world began, it has been unheard of that anyone opened the eyes of one who was born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. There's some good, solid theology there, right? Explain this to me then. How did he do that? How did he do this if he was not from God? If he wasn't from God, he couldn't do anything. So explain it to me. 
And they answered him and said, You were completely born in sins, and are you teaching us? And they cast him out. Now they go on to the, okay, we don't, we, first we didn't know if you were really blind. Now we know that you're blind. First we didn't know if you were really the one, but now your parents confirmed you are the one. We didn't know how he did it. Now we know how he did it. And now you're saying these things. And so their attack at this point is, we got nothing at this point. We have nothing as far as, you've explained the story. We don't know how else to explain it in the sense, except for give glory to God. He's a sinner. And yet, they go from that place to attack the blind man. You were completely born in your sins. You're blind because of your, you were blind because you were born in your sins. And are you now teaching us? You see, just, I mean, this screams out pride, doesn't it? Who are you to teach us? How many of you people here, you don't have to raise your hand, but there's, how many times is it that, you go and share the gospel with your parents and they're like, who are you? We brought you into this world. We're the ones that are supposed to be teaching you and now you know these things? You're trying to teach us at this point? The pride that's there, if we're not going to listen to you, we're, we're the parents. Or people that will respond with, you're such a simple person. I'm educated. I know these things. If you had studied the way that I study, you would know that these things aren't true. There's just so much pride that's here within these people, and part of unbelief is just incredible pride. And that's where they're at. I mean, here is a man that was born blind, that was made able to see, and their response is to this blind man, you were completely born in sins, and are you teaching us? And they cast him out. I think of some of my time in some other countries where I'm in a place like Pakistan, and I'm meeting with people who left Islam, And when they left Islam, they left everybody that was dear to them. Their family cast them out. They can't even go near their family because they'll be killed. They've left everything in their following Christ. They were cast out. They were cast out of their town. They were cast out of their family. They were cast out of everything that they knew. They couldn't be around their friends anymore because they were following Christ. And people know that they're believers. See, you can be a believer there so long as you don't evangelize. But you could be a believer there so long as you were born into Christianity. But if you're a Muslim that becomes a Christian, that's capital punishment in the eyes of so many people across this world. Here is a situation where this man is cast out. One of the things that I find as far as looking at our next question, how is God glorified in all this? Look what happens. He gets cast out. He gets cast out from all of those religious leaders, all of those that are there as far as within the county, within the state. They cast him out within the religious system. But he gets cast out right into the arms of Jesus. Look at this. Jesus heard that, he had, been, that they cast him, had cast him out. And when he had found him, he said to him, Do you believe in the Son of God? And they answered and said, Who is he? He answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? And Jesus said to him, You have both seen him, and it is he who is talking with you. And then he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. He got saved. God was working in his life as far as you are being born blind. But I'm going to heal you in the most incredible way for the purpose of 
people seeing the works of God, that that man would be saved and be able to see for all eternity and be able to enter into the joy of the Lord for all eternity, but also that there'd be people here today and people, countless people who have read this account that look and said, that was my heart. I was in a place of unbelief. I was in a place of wanting nothing to do with them. But all of the evidence is there, and I see this, and how else do I explain it except for the fact that he makes people who are blind able to see. He works miracles in just incredible ways. And they believe. Jesus brings them right to the gospel. Do you believe in the Son of God? Do you believe in him? Who is he, Lord, that I might believe in him? You have both seen him, and it is he who is talking with you. There can be no doubt as far as I am him, Jesus is saying. You see him now. Your eyes have been opened. You see him. And now he is talking to you. And the man says, Lord, I believe. And he falls down and he worships Christ. This is radical when you look at it. His response is, I will worship you. Now, for those that say, like they do within Mormonism or Jehovah's Witnesses, that Jesus is not God. Why is it that Jesus doesn't say to this man, no, no, don't do that. Just like the angel does, as we see in Scripture where he says, don't do that. Get up off the ground. You're not supposed to worship me. God alone are you supposed to worship. Jesus doesn't do that. The guy falls down and he worships him. I think one of the greatest evidences of the deity of Christ as you look through Scripture is that Christ allows himself to be worshipped. Over and over again, he allows himself to be worshipped. And so the man falls down and he worships him. May we look at this and respond in the same way. You were blind. Spiritually blind to the place where you weren't looking for God. You wanted nothing to do with God. You were running away from him. You hated him because you hated the light. And you're running away from him. And God found you. The word of God was proclaimed to you. God softened your heart. God caused you who were blind able to see so that there was none in all the earth that you desired besides him. You once were blind, but you have been made to see. You know that. You sit here this morning as a believer knowing I once was blind, but now I'm able to see. This man... He doesn't fall down and worship Christ because he was made able to see. He fell down and worshiped Christ because he believed that he was the son of God. He believed that he was God himself. And he falls down and he worships him. May that be our response this morning as well. You who were dead have been made alive. You who were blind have been made able to see. You have been made a new creation in Christ. He's taken all of your sins, sins away and he's replaced it with the very righteousness of Christ through faith in Christ, through faith in him. Through believing that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and he rose again on the third day and whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Through the gospel message, you who were once blind have been made able to see 
for all eternity with him. This man knew at that point, fall down, worship. Worship him. Verse 39, Jesus says, For judgment I've come into the world that those who do not see may see, and those who see may be made blind. Some of the Pharisees who were with him heard these words and said, Are we blind also? And Jesus says to them, If you were blind, you would have no sin. But now you say, We see, therefore your sin remains. They still had the pride. They were still in a place of, We still see everything. And Jesus saying, As a result, your sins are still there. Had they humbled themselves and say, We were blind, but now we are able to see, we know who you are. At that point, their sins would be removed. But they're still dead in their sins. May that not be the case with any one of us here this morning. May we not be in that place of still being blind, still being full of pride, and not able to see. May God just soften hearts this morning that we look and we say, He is God. He is our Savior. He is Messiah. He is the Christ. He has come to save me. He took me who was blind and made me able to see. He took me who was spiritually dead and made me alive in Christ. And I'll spend eternity with him. And as a result, we just worship him this morning. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this account in the Gospel of John. We thank you for a story that just shows us your love and your character and the way that you minister in just incredible ways to this man who was born blind. We look at the story and we see the work of God and we look at our own lives and we see, Lord, I was once lost, I was once blind, but you changed all of that. You found me, you called me to yourself, you made me able to see so there was no one I desired in all the earth besides you and our hope for salvation is in you alone this morning and we praise you for it. We praise you that you've given us eyes to see you. May that flow forth from our hearts as we now sing to you in song. In Jesus' name, amen.